At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is VSIN's Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. We begin hour number two of Big Bets here on VEASAN. Dave Ross and Amal Shaw here at South Point Casino and Hotel in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Hour number one, we gave out our pro tip. I had a great conversation with Josh Applebaum. Hope you, you were able to catch that. We are looking at those college football totals mm-hmm. in specifics. Right. And you really can find some value now because a lot of the places out here, certainly in Nevada, are starting to open up and, and offer those adjusted win totals. So just like the NFL – you really do need to break down the remaining schedules. Do your due diligence. Don't just look at how many books, quote-unquote, that they've already got in their pocket, i.e. three, four wins, and go, oh, they only have to get to seven? That should be a piece of cake. You need to really look in-depth at the schedule, i.e. we've mentioned Florida State and LSU. It doesn't get much easier for those two schools with their remaining schedules. So while it looks like, man, these guys are going to be at least able for LSU to get seven wins, give me a push – that might not be as easy as you think, so you really have to break down the remaining schedules. Yeah, absolutely right. I think it's crucial to it when you're looking at it. And then, of course, you're projecting which games you think they're going to win. I think the NFL is a lot harder because when you, in reality, there's no team this year that you would point to that's a complete dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you sit there and say, this is an automatic win. You know, we talked about it just in the last segment with Josh Applebaum in terms of Tennessee going on the road to Washington. Now, Washington is a bottom 25% team in the NFL, maybe even lower than that, but they still have a chance that you are not exactly going, hey, I got to go fire on Tennessee in a road spot here. It's not like college football where you go, okay. Clemson is on the road at Florida State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to win that football game. 
it's not as easy to do something in the NFL. Parity, reigning supreme, that's for sure. Again, that's our pro tip for hour number one. We give one each hour across the VEASAN spectrum. So if you're a VEASAN pro subscriber, you're going to have access to up to 20 pro tips a day across the VEASAN spectrum. So, again, those are easy to access at VEASAN.com. You can sort them out by show and or by sport. Let's get back to college football here. And I don't know if it's the game of the week, but it maybe it's the below-the-radar game of the week. And that's TCU, the Horn Frogs, against Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Undefeated Kansas. We're not talking basketball. It, it is really amazing what they've been able to do here and turn this thing around in Lawrence. And now at home, Jayhawks are catching seven against TCU. Now, look, TCU's coming off that impressive win against Boomer Sooner. What do you make of this matchup here? Because to me, this feels like a tricky spot for TCU on the road. Hey, it really does. I think it's going to be a challenge here. Lane six and a half, pretty big number. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think Max Dugan and company will be able to move the ball. Jalen Daniels and uh, this offense should be able to move the ball as well for Kansas. Uh, I don't know if we get the old-school Big 12 games where we hit 70 points in this one, but it sure feels like it's going to be upper, uh, you know, I, I should say probably at least low 30s, maybe upper 30s in this one. So, should be a fun, entertaining game. I would look at KU plus the six and a half. TCU goes on the road, blows a big lead against SMU. They hang on. I think they won that game by eight points, Dave. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a scenario where you feel comfortable laying this type of number on the road. Um, and I think they were a short favorite in that game. And KU not getting enough respect here. You're trying to tell me at this point in time, SMU gives you enough confidence to suggest or imply that they are a better team at home than Kansas is at this point of the season? I'm with you. This feels tricky to me. Do you shy away at all if you're a Kansas backer because you could have gotten seven earlier in the week and most of those sevens are gone off that key number down to six and a half? Does that worry you at all? Okay, look, this is going to be a personal preference response. For me, no, it doesn't because I think there are games you're going to get beat, right? You have the uh, the, um, Arkansas game I got beat on because I had the money line instead of the plus two. Mm Mm-hmm. However, when you look at it, and this is why I'm a big proponent of run lines in baseball, when you look at the numbers and you try to take more plus prices or you don't concern yourself in college, the NFL is a completely different animal. They might as well be two different sports. We might as well be talking soccer compared to the NFL. Mm. Um, for me, you know, Johnny Avello, who uh, runs DraftKings uh, Sportsbook, talk about college football, the line moves just don't have the same value as you see at the NFL level. Think about some of these matchups that we've seen throughout the course of the season. Alabama was laying, what, 17, 18, 19 at Texas? Mm -hmm. It took a last-second field goal to win the game. If Ryan Watts makes a sack, if he comes in lower on Bryce Young, Bryce Young can't escape it. They win that game. I think in in the NFL, it's different. You see games like the Chargers up big against the Houston Texans, and all of a sudden you're fighting for your life. Mm -hmm. Denver was being dominated by the Raiders, but it took a last-second drive by the Raiders to be able to cover that game. It's very rare that you get a Dallas Cowboys. Boy, I wish that wasn't my example. But uh, Dallas Cowboys (laughs) over the Washington Commanders, wire-to-wire job where you sit there and go, Never never a sweat, right? You know, there's too many games where there's just too much of a talent discrepancy at the collegiate level compared to the NFL. Ah, That's a great point, and it's something you should definitely adhere to. So, again, if you like Kansas, maybe don't shy away, even though the sevens are gone. It's down to six and a half. If you like them, you like them. It just doesn't seem to come into play to Maul's point as much as it does in the NFL. Tennessee against LSU, we've talked a lot about the, the Bengal Tiger here in the, the longer picture. What about Tennessee? Because I look at Josh Heupel and Hendon Hooker and that offense, it feels like an elite unit in college football, yeah. right? Like It is. You look at certain class teams and go, well, what's their best strength? Tennessee's offense is one of those top strengths across the board in college football. So you're laying that three. We talked about it earlier. It's not late at night at Death Valley down there in Baton Rouge. 
do you like the Vols on the road, which is normally you don't want to lay three against a, a school like LSU. I would agree with you. Normally you're not looking to lay three points in this game. I think uh, when you look at this matchup, though, I think Tennessee's a more complete football team. I don't know if you had a chance to see, or Kelly, if you saw the Auburn game Saturday night against LSU. I did not. Um, the SEC shorts did a great thing in this one. They talked about Auburn. Don't worry about beating Auburn. Just allow Auburn to have the football. They'll self-implode. <laughs> Three turnovers in the fourth quarter wow. with opportunities to tie or take the lead in that football game. Squandered those. And so I think when you look at Tennessee, they're going to be able to move the ball against an LSU team right now. Jaden Daniels, the Arizona State transfer, he got banged up, did not play at the end of that game. Nussmeyer was in at quarterback, the young stud. He had a big arm, but a little bit of inconsistency right now. Um, I like Rocky Top on the road here. I think Tennessee is playing outstanding football, and I'm telling you right now, I think game day is going to be in Knoxville. I think we're going to have an absolute showdown between the Big Orange and the Crimson Tide. Big Orange roll on here, man. Wow. And by the way, this is what they were expecting at Rocky Top when, say, Lane Kiffin was there. Yeah. Right? Josh Heupel is the guy that's kind of doing it right. We'll see if this continues here to kind of stay undefeated, stay in the picture. The total 65. So I talk about the elite offense. LSU does not have that type of offense uh, against uh, Tennessee. Can they score enough points if you're an overbacker in this one to, to keep pace? Great question, Dave. I don't know. And I think if you're LSU, you've got to play a ball control, keep the Tennessee offense on the sideline situation. You just can't allow this offense out here. If you do that, I think you're going to run into some problem here. Uh, I, I think LSU, if they're going to win this game, this game, they have to keep Tennessee under 31. See, I think it's a correlated play. Yes, right? I that, agree if, with if you. If you like LSU, you're probably playing the under. And if you like Tennessee, they might be able to, to, to have their way with, with the LSU defense. I'll, I'll go halfway there with you. I agree with you on LSU if you like the under. But I'm not necessarily going to go there with you if you like Tennessee in the over. And the reason why is I'm not completely convinced that LSU will be able to score okay. enough points to get you to that over. Because even if Tennessee does a lot of the heavy lifting, you're going to still need the the Bengal Tigers here to score at least probably, what, 25 points in this game? That's just a lot of points. Yeah, I mean, just if you just kind of break it down, assuming Tennessee gets over 40, uh, I, I think it would be a little bit of a challenge. And you look at this LSU team so far this year. Take away the New Mexico game. Uh, they scored 23 against Florida State. Uh, Southern, forget that one as well. But mm -hmm. Mississippi State, they did, they did put up 31 in that game. But that was remember, they were struggling in the first half of that game. And they put up 21 against Auburn down on the plains. So, for me, I, I just don't see this offense the way they want to run the ball and what they want to do. Uh, Emory's going to have to have a big day for LSU running the football if they're going to be successful here. Texas Tech's going to go to Stillwater and take on Oklahoma State. And when I look at Okie State, you know, I, I always thought defense first, right? But D.C. has moved on to Ohio State. And, you know, I'm a man, I'm 40s now in his 50s, Mike Gundy. They've been opening up. Uh, Spencer Stanton, they look like right now they're actually scoring points in Stillwater. Texas Tech has a good defense, although they were in a shootout a bit of one against Texas in which they were able to win. I look at that total 68 and a half. Can Texas Tech, it's kind of like what we just talked about with Tennessee and LSU, can Texas Tech score enough to, to actually be in play? They're getting nine and a half on the road. Yeah, and I think this one thing that with the perception now under Joey McGuire, the thing that's changed drastically for this team is the defense for Texas Tech. I think they've gotten so much better. Their ability to slow down teams. You know, you mentioned earlier in your concern against uh, for NC State because they couldn't put up a ton of points, mm -hmm. whether it was against Texas Tech, ECU, whomever it may be. This team has gotten better defensively, and I think that's the one thing you have to point to right now with this three-three-five scheme that they're running. They've been more effective. So. To me, I, I like the cowpokes here. I think they cover the nine and a half. If 
By the way, I don't know if there is a team playing better football that's more under the radar than Oklahoma State. Wow. You know, we're talking, we've talked about TCU. We've talked about some other teams along the way outside of the Big 12. Um, USC, obviously, but they're getting a lot of attention. Michigan, uh, USC, all these teams are getting attention. Nobody's talking about Oklahoma State. And I think the road win at Baylor, I would make the argument so far, and I might be leaving a game or two out, I would argue that's probably the best win of the college football season by any team so far this year. I think it's a really good win. And, again, they have been flying definitely below that radar, but that number's getting up there nine and a half against Guns Up uh, with the Red Raiders. Utah and UCLA, we talked about it briefly in the first hour. Let's get into it a little bit more in depth in the last 90 seconds here. Utah now, that three number, now we're seeing three and a halves against the fighting Chip Kellys. Look, this is the same number that UCLA was basically getting against Washington. They were able to beat the Huskies. Can they make it two in a row? Um, I don't think they can. I I think, first of all, one of the problems I had with this line is I thought the number should have been four and a half. It did tick up to four and a half. It was an opener of three. And, you know, we talked about it on Monday. I took that one. Look, you're telling me right now at the Rose Bowl, Saturday afternoon, Utah is the same spread as Washington. No, they're not comparable right now. And I think when you look at a Utah is the best team in this league from top to bottom, USC might have a little bit more offensive talent, but here's where the games are won in the trenches. Utah's got a better line play of anybody. If you're the Utes, you got to slow down. For me, what is a top five running back in college football? Doesn't get enough credit. It's hard to say that about somebody playing in Los Angeles. Zach Charbonnet has been outstanding. The key for UCLA is third down. DTR's got to convert. If he can do that, they've got a great shot. If they don't, Cam Rising in the Utes roll. Very quickly, 64 and a half. A lot of points against the Huskies. You see a lot of points in this one, too. Tough call. This number's going to be right there between 50, 58 and 7. All right, great uh, handicap there, Amal, on those college football games. When we come back, Mike Pritchard's going to join the program, our NFL stud. Come on back. It's Big Bets here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. VSIN's Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on VSIN. The Sports Betting Network. The NHL season is almost here, and our hockey betting experts are ready for all of the action. The VEASAN Hockey Season Prep Guide is available now with strategies and best bets for the season ahead. Get in-depth analysis from our hockey experts, including Andy McNeil, with predictions for teams, players, win totals, daily betting tips, season-long trends to watch, plus three things every new NHL better should know. This guide is a must-have with key insights and data for both avid hockey bettors and those new to the sport. Give yourself an edge this season and get the VEASAN Hockey Season Prep Guide by becoming a VEASAN Pro subscriber today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Back alongside them all, Shaw Dave Ross here. We've got a big one tonight, Thursday Night Football. We got the Colts, and we have the Broncos. And, of course, we're getting ready. I can't believe it. Already week five of the NFL season is upon us. Mike Pritchard knows how fast the season can possibly go, and Pritch is kind enough to join us now, of course, co-host of Easton's Pro Football Blitz. You can follow him, as I do, at M.I. Pritchard. And, Pritch, I said earlier, because it's Doc Walker's, Rick Doc Walker's favorite word to describe players' studs. That guy's a stud. Pritch, yeah. you know how this works. You need studs in order to win. Looks like a couple of those might be off for each side of the ball here at the running back position. How do you handicap week number five with the Broncos taking on the Colts to get a kick started tonight? Guys, great to be with you. You know, it is, this one's tough because you got so many starters out for the Denver Broncos too, though. You know, the home team. So if you're back in a favorite here, I mean, that's that's something to consider, I would imagine. Uh, Denver has also had two games back-to-back weeks. Very, very physical uh, situations, and 
you know, when, when you have those, you got guys that need to step up, you know, Melvin Gordon, I, I think he's injured mentally mm. because he's got this mental block in terms of fumbling. So this one's tough. I mean, Denver Broncos, they typically have that home field advantage. They're laying three as I'm looking at the number right now. And then you got Indy who hasn't really played well on the road all year. Uh, and now that was in the division though, right? And they got the, they got the win against Kansas City uh, at home in a desperate situation. But then again, they come back and they don't play well the following week. So this inconsistent team uh, without their best player on offense, yeah, this is a tough one to cap, guys. I, I stayed away from this game. I tend to agree with you. I think this is a tough one to call, Mike. You look at these two offenses continuing to struggle. Is there anything that you've seen as a former player that would indicate to you, hey, they're potentially they can turn the corner, whether it's for the Indianapolis offense without Jonathan Taylor or for the Denver Broncos with Russell Wilson. I'm a huge Russell Wilson fan, but I'll tell you what, that five-year deal that Denver gave him, it's looking like an absurd move so far. And has there anything that you've seen been anything that you've seen so far that says, okay, they need a little improvement here. Hold on to the football a little bit more that, okay, they'll be able to take that next step forward. I just don't see it yet. Yeah, I don't see it either. Uh, neither team has uh, asserted themselves them all. I mean, I think Indy, everything's so new when it comes to the quarterback situation and uh, the continuation of what they established last year, rushing the football, has not continued to the level that it needs to be. Uh, just watching the Colts and studying the Colts, uh, their offensive line is is not getting off the ball. They're, they're actually getting pushed back. Uh, they're actually not dominating the, the, the trenches like they did last year, a year ago, when Jonathan Taylor was so effective. He's even hesitant running into the line of scrimmage because he just doesn't have anywhere to run. Uh, I will say this, though. With, with the backup nature of who they have at running back, talking about the Colts, and you think of uh, Hines, he's a little bit quicker. Uh, the irony, too, is you know Philip Lindsay in that situation. I, I don't know if he's going to be part of this or not. I don't have you guys heard that, but uh, him coming back to Denver mm-hmm. could be interesting because he is an electric runner. He's a fast runner, uh, and then hitting the hole uh, with him and Hines, that kind of combination could be beneficial to a line that just isn't getting a lot of push. And like I mentioned, with all the injuries to some start some key starters for Denver. Uh, it gives the Colts a chance to get gassed up for this game and and really be physical and dominate the game that way if they can. But I haven't seen that, uh, and that's been the problem. And then with Denver, uh, it's just the new situation, too, at quarterback. Russell Wilson, uh, he's elevated himself above what I believe is the locker room and all those other players. And I know they look up to him, but he just hasn't played at the level that is indicative of looking up to a guy like that, right? And uh, so there's some dissension, uh, certainly some friction uh, in Denver. Uh, they're just not trusting each other uh, the way that they should, and, and that's never a good recipe either. No, not at all. And again, you mentioned it, uh, the, the welcome back, if you will, for Lindsay. In the betting market, at least, he and Hines, about nine and a half is what the expected carries uh, would be if you want to play those in the prop market. So they are, are expecting them maybe to be running back by committee, uh, at least in this one tonight, without Jonathan Taylor. I want to get back to that point you made there about Russell Wilson in the yep. offense, because you and I have talked a lot about him in the offseason, you know, being mm-hmm. that, that, that walking culture when he walks in there and he changes everything right away. What have you noticed from Russ? Is it something that's fixable, or are we really seeing a guy that might be starting that back nine of his NFL career? You know, Dave, I, I haven't seen a significant decline. Uh, what I've seen is Russell is a walking culture. Russell's work ethic is unmatched. It really is. And, and the fact that he got the guys to buy in over the summer the way that he did, 
uh, is a testament to what he can create uh, from a culture standpoint. But he's not playing at the level we saw Russell play at in Seattle primarily because he doesn't have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I know a lot of people, and, and certainly as betters, we look at the line and we see so much that the, the quarterback is worth so much to a number. But the quarterback is the most dependent position on the field. Mm. If you don't have an offensive line, if you don't have a center, if you don't have wide receivers, if you don't have a back that knows how to protect, how good are you as a quarterback? I mean, we've seen the greatest quarterbacks struggle uh, because they don't have time to throw or they don't have receivers that can get open. Um, and so Russell has all that going for him right now in terms of he doesn't have uh, Tim Patrick. He, you know, he doesn't have consistency from Jerry Judy. Uh, Cortland Sutton at best is a 50-50 guy and a possession receiver. So he just doesn't have what he had in Seattle. And so to expect different from Russell, I, I think we're fooling ourselves. So he's a limited quarterback right now. I know he's a skilled guy and, and certainly perhaps a Hall of Famer at one point. Just But but that's in the past, though. We're talking about the front windshield, not the rearview mirror here. And <laughs> I, I think the front windshield is, is just murky, you know. And, and so that's why it's so hard to bet this situation until the Broncos can kind of figure themselves out. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Mike, which games are you looking at that have caught your attention this weekend that you think are intriguing, maybe a number or just a matchup that stands out to you? Well, I, I was talking about this before uh, and all week, really, uh, the, the resurgence of the rushing game. Um, there's more explosive plays uh, running the ball now than there are passing the ball. Uh, and, and there could be a lot of factors, you know, a lot of quarterbacks and, you know, the weapons around them, slow starts offensively. I, I like the Titans on the road. Uh, against the commanders uh, just because there's so many different ways. It's two and a half. It's under a key number. Uh, it's so, so many key ways that Tennessee can run the football with Derrick Henry. Uh, and he looks to have a, a burst back as well. Uh, and so I, I think Vrabel's doing a superb job right now uh, coaching that team depleted of, of weapons and, and certainly where Tannehill is. And then the commanders, I, I mean, I know Chase Young's coming back, but when you get physical with those edge rushers that just want to, rush the passer. They don't want to set the edge and be physical that way. I think there's some opportunity. So I, I like the Titans and then the Seahawks and, and the Saints, uh, you know, another situation where the Seahawks are playing physical football. Uh, people are concerned uh, with the travel on back-to-back -back weeks for the Seahawks. I don't, I, I think they can rise above that. And you got a quarterback completing well over 70% of his passes and he has DK Metcalf and he has Tyler Lockett and Disley uh, and Penny. And, and so I think, Everything around Geno Smith has elevated his game. Uh, therefore, I like the points. I like catching points right there with Seattle. And speaking of travel, the Saints coming all the way back from Wembley. Very quick on that point, Fritz. Do you like this that the NFL is doing this? We know Brady and the Bucks are going to go to Germany later on. We got the Packers uh, going to play the G-Men this week over there in Wembley. You think this is good for the league? And how do the players respond on that ultimate travel week? Yeah, it's really good for the league because the league wants to go global anyway. It's one of the reasons why – Raiders are in Vegas because Vegas is a global city. Uh, Pat Bolin, and rest in peace, uh, Mr. B, but he had the vision of, of helping expand the game. And so when I was a Bronco, we traveled to Japan. We traveled to Barcelona. We went to Canada. And now that was preseason. But uh, the NFL, the only growth left for them is to go global. And that's why you're seeing all these games uh, across the pond, as they say, right? Uh, I, I think it's a good thing. You know, we're talking about quarterbacks and guys making $50 million a year. Come on, man. Suck it up and get on a plane. You're flying first class anyway. You're staying in first class hotels anyway. Uh, to me, it, it shouldn't be a, an issue. 
right? Uh, I know I, I think it's great for the game. I think it's great for everybody. Do you think the game can really reach uh, international status the way basketball or soccer are? Mm-hmm. The reason I ask that is because it's a, it's a game that's not played widely outside of the United States. Right. Right. No, I, I think it can. Um, all I, I played in the Japan Bowl in college, and then I played in a preseason game with the Broncos. And over in Japan, they love football. Mm. I mean, absolutely love football. Now, Barcelona was a little different, um, but but that's why I think uh, the league is trying to expand in Europe, because right now they, they have to influence uh, of the other football uh, that they have to c- compete with. Absolutely fascinating conversation, Pritch. We look forward to it each and every Thursday. Enjoy the game tonight and the games abroad uh, this weekend with the Packers and the G-Men. Pritch, we'll catch up again soon. Sounds great, guys. Good luck to you. There Thank he you. is, the host of Pro Football Blitz here on VEASAN. Come on back to talk more college football with them all when you come back with us on Big Bets here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN's Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Get in on the football action this weekend with a Hulu Plus live TV football extravaganza. Compete free for a share of 55000 in two ways. Predict what will happen in three college football pools. Then you're going to make your picks for eight fantasy NFL contests. Head to DraftKings.com slash Hulu NFL now to play for free. Hulu plus live TV, like cable, only better terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com for the full details. Back alongside Amal Shaw, Dave Ross here. Great having a conversation with Mike Pritchard about international games in the NFL. We've got a college football game out here in the desert this weekend, which is Notre Dame against BYU. You know, we were just talking about it with Pritch, and we'll have to get into it more he was the star of the Japan Bowl back in the day. Right. You think kids like this? You think BYU, Notre Dame, they're like, yeah, let's get out there to the desert and play a neutral site game in the middle of the season. I think if you're BYU, you do. I think if you're Notre Dame, you don't because you're so used to this. You play so many different locations. Notre Dame is everybody. Even though they're still bad, somehow college football has managed to stuff Notre Dame down our throats like it's 1989. Wow. Shout out Tim Murray. So was, now, was Tim Murray even alive last time Notre Dame was relevant? It's a great question. When, don't, don't give me that 2012 nonsense when they got crushed by Alabama. The only reason they were there was because Ohio State was undefeated, was ineligible that year. You mean the Manti Teo uh, press conference? That's right. What? That year. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> by the way, can anybody name anybody else on that team besides uh, – I remember the number quarterback, number seven. I can't even remember his name. For Notre Dame? Uh, Everett uh, Golson. Yeah, yeah, that's Everett right. Golson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, Tim named his dog Manti. He's real. Dog is real. <laughs> Dog is real. <laughs> so, I was at that game covered. It wasn't for the game. But I know that much. <laughs> so speaking of covered, I wonder, can Notre Dame cover three and a half against the Cougs here? Because this feels to me over that hook. I know it's college football, maybe not as important as, in, as it is in the NFL. Yep. And that total of 51 and a half. What do you make of this one? Yeah, no, I think this could be a tighter game. Uh, my point being earlier on that seven to six and a half in reference to the um, – uh, to the TCU game. You're going to have a lot of scoring. The, the Big 12 is a little bit more wide open. When you have a matchup, you know, go back a few years when Alabama and LSU, really the 2011 game I kind of point to, those games where it's going to be tight, you know, one possession games, you're more concerned about a game like this where I feel like it's going to be 28-24, that type of game, mm-hmm. you're, you're concerned about that. Uh, to me, I, I'm going to stay away from this game, Dave. I, I, not to be evasive to your question, no. I, I don't have an answer. I don't really know. I think BYU is a solid, good football team. I think Notre Dame's getting better. I think they've got a chance to continue to get better. They're kind of going down that runway and, and starting to, uh, to ascend a little bit. Um, ascend a little bit, excuse me. 
but uh, I, I just don't know if I buy them yet. I always look at it and I say, what's the best unit? Like when we talk about Tennessee and LSU, the best unit on, on the field is going to be Tennessee's offense. Correct. Right? What's the best unit on the field for BYU and Notre Dame? Because people are, saying, people are saying Notre Dame's defense. Yeah. BYU's known to play some defense as well. If you had a pick, you can go special teams if you want. But to me, it's not Notre Dame's offense, so I'm trying to figure out who's the best unit out of the potential uh, six. Take the special teams out of the equation. I'll give you the four. I go this way. Notre Dame's defense, uh, BYU's defense number two, BYU's offense three, and then Notre Dame's offense four. So if we're going at both defenses being the, the top two for yes. either school, yeah. that 51 and a half, do you lean under or do you go, man, we got a fast track out here. It might be a little bit different environment. They're playing on turf. Yeah. What do you look there at 51 and a half? Yeah, it's a fair question, but no, I don't necessarily look under in this one. I don't look at the over either. This this just feels like 27-24, 31-24, 28-24 type of game. Um, it's going to come down to both teams will be playing in a controlled environment, so you don't have to worry about weather. You'll be able to throw the ball comfortably. Can you convert when you have the opportunities? Do you turn the ball over deep in your own red zone, or do you have a turnover while you're going in to score? All those things will be a factor in terms of this total no play here. I just think this would be a good, good football game. And I think, Amal, to your point here, this should be an education process that if the line is tight, you're on a neutral field, 51 and a half, feels like it's going to be right around. You don't have to play every game on the board. Even in these standalone games that, that are you know, on neutral sites, going to get a little bit more profile because it's not in South Bend, it's not at BYU. You can pass if you think the number is a little bit too tight. Yeah, I, I, to me, this is a complete stay-away game. This is an in-game play. Ah. The, this is one where you catch somebody's getting points in-game, and you say, hey, I like the way this is going. I'll take the points even though they're down. Uh, I think it's one of those types of games. What about A&M against Alabama? This was the circle date in the calendar yeah. for every football fan out there, certainly in the SEC. And if you had any, you know, if you're a Jimbo guy or if you're a Nick Saban guy, this is the one with all the consternation we had in the offseason. Now you get there, and it feels like, a, what a letdown, that A&M couldn't live up to their half of the bargain, right? And it doesn't feel like it's going to be overly competitive. That's why we're seeing 24s out there in the market. But look at the total. We're not expecting a lot of points either. 51. So you do that math there if you really think, can, can A&M help in that process to get that over if you want to back that? What do you make of it now where it looks like Nick – can really lay it on Jimbo if he wants to. Yeah, and I think they will. And I like this game over 51 mm. um, because I still think AM will score seven to 10 points. But I think Alabama is going to comfortably get into the 40s in this game. Ooh. AM's got a good defense, but I just don't think they face an offense with the caliber, the caliber of um, Alabama. Regardless of the Bryce Young injury, Jalen Mil- Milrow is outstanding. I mean, this team's got a ton of talent. I'm not worried about that, but. I don't know. You know, look, I understand if somebody says they like the under because the way AM defends and the way Alabama's capable of defending, I got no qualms with that. But for me, Dave, I just think Alabama's going to put up points. We saw, look at the fourth quarter they had against Arkansas. And I'm not trying to suggest that Arkansas's defense is as good as AM. Well, that was just they, whatever they wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. And so I think at home, I, I think they'll be just fine. They're going to score into the 30s. I, I don't see. Remember last year, I think it was like 41 38 or mm-hmm. 42 39, somewhere in that range. It was an 80 point game. Um, this game is not going to be that high, but I still think A-Chain's a guy. I don't know if there's a player in terms of – Bijan's the best running back, but I got to tell you, the most exciting running back to watch in college football to me is A-Chain. He's unbelievable. Wow. He gets out in space. Nobody's catching him. His speed is off the charts. That includes Bijan Robinson, Travion Henderson. This guy can flat out fly. You mentioned Bryce Young with the injuries. So we don't know his full status there, but if it's, if it's Milrose's place, you're cool with that? 
this kid's a dude. I mean, he he's an absolute superstar in waiting. I, I was so annoyed that Alabama got him because I go, this guy, it's just going to continue their success. He he is so good. I, I love his talent. Now, Bryce is an incredible passer, just incredibly accurate, great player. But uh, down the line, you're going to see Alabama. They're not going to skip a beat next year. Yeah, 41-38 last year. Still, did you watch Melrose Place? The show? Yeah. No, I did not. It's kind of, you know, it's a – it's kind of a campy show back in the day. Camp, campy. Yeah, like, you know, like kids would watch it, and then they'd talk about it the next day, and it became a thing. Andrew Shue was big back in the day. Remember him? I do. Milrose Place was my play on words there. Yeah, my, my ear is Dawson's Creek. Got it. See, yeah. there it is. The That's last, a campy show. Exactly. The, the last show that I watched, not including COVID, was uh, Seinfeld. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's the last show that you were like, I got to watch this on appointment NBC TV. Yes. I'm not, I'm not a TV guy, man. I'm just glad hey, that you're going to. fired up succession, though, he said. Yeah, well, that's only for, let, me tell, let me tell you right now, that's only deal. for it's the plane show. ride. Are you kidding me? If oh, I'm, I'm sleeping on the ride. Oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> watching it to watch it. I, I just I go crazy. I thought you were interested in the premise of the show. No, I, I hate being in a straitjacket for five hours. <laughs> There's no me? tennis on? Yeah, but, but I'm, not, I'm not on. Uh, I'm not on JetBlue, so there's you, no. Oh, yeah. You're gonna enjoy Kendall Roy. It's a good show. You're gonna like it. I'll see five episodes and I'm done. Let's talk about FSU against NC State. Don't turn your back in the Wolfpack here. I, I look at the number and I go, I'm surprised that NC State is not a bigger favorite in this one. Is that jumping out to you as well? That maybe there's a little danger lurking for the Wolfpack? No, this is my favorite play of the weekend. I, lo- I love Wolfpack here. I, I don't understand this. They're coming off a tough loss against Clemson. That was a physical game, an emotional game. But Florida State, Sam Hartman and company were doing whatever they wanted against that Florida State defense. They go down and get seven points. They look good. Everything is great. And then all of a sudden, it was just pretty much Wake Forest until the fourth quarter. They still end up, I think they won the game by 10 points. Yeah. Um, still a dominant performance by uh, uh, Wake Forest. Thank you. In that game. This, I don't understand why this line is so short. I thought this line should have been about six. I like NC State here in this game. See, the one thing you have to realize, and I didn't realize this until I moved to Vegas. So all these odds makers put power ratings on these teams. And then they assign basically how a value or, or just kind of a number component to a team. And then you say, okay, against this matchup, they're going to be X amount of points favored or an X amount of point of underdog. Sometimes where you can catch them is if you think a team is different than how they see it, and I see NC State being better or I see Florida State worse than they see them, so I think there's an opportunity here with NC State in this matchup to take advantage of it. This line should not be three. They're just – so, in essence, if we're down to Florida State, they're going to be about a three- or four-point favorite. Weren't they just a six-and-a-half-point favorite dog at Clemson? Yes, they were. I mean, give me a break. That's the, one of the best ways to look at lines is when you take a uh, comparison of two teams. Washington now, you're saying uh, Utah's only a half a point better than Washington in the Rose Bowl. You're saying right now that if we're playing this game at the Doak, that – Florida State is probably a three, three and a half point favorite if you make a swing based on three points at home each side, that they're a three point favorite over NC State. Come on. I, you know, I, I do wonder, and this is not to, to get on Kelly and his school, but do we feel like the wheels might start to come off? We looked at the schedule. It's going to get tough for Florida State. That would be my worry here after looking good early if it's going to start derailing. I, Dave, I didn't think about that point, but I think it's a really good one, which is does Florida State now, this is a really important game for them yeah. because they lost at home to Wake Forest in a game which the perception was they're going to win the game. I didn't understand them being six-and-a-half-point favorites there. Sydney was my favorite on Melrose Place, the redhead. Big crush on her. When we come Who's back. Who's the actress? Can we get a name? I have no idea what her name is. Do you think I know who these people are? There's no characters. That's it. Great, great show back in the day. Campy show. When we come back, more college football. And again, we'll look ahead to Thursday night 
football here in our final thoughts when you come back with us on Big Bets on these and the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. VSIN's Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. The temperature might be cooling off at all football fans. Well, we're heating up for fall sports at Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is your go to sportsbook for the latest lines, odds, and boosts for pro football, college football, basketball, and hockey. Now is the perfect time to join Bet Rivers. New bettors are going to receive up to $500 in free bets when you make a first time deposit using the code SPORTS. Go to betrivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app today. It is a whole new ballgame. 
Back here alongside Marshall Dave Ross, wrapping up this edition of Big Bets here on Visa. And I saw flashing across the screen here on the lower third TV term that they're going to have a fight between Le'Veon Bell, the former running back for the Jets and the Steelers, against Uriah Hall, who was and is a talented UFC uh, mixed martial artist. Now, that's in the undercard of the Anderson Silva against one of the Paul brothers fights. I still get them confused. What do you make of these things, Amal? Look, if you can make money on it and there's going to be numbers on it, we'll probably bet on it or at least look at it. But what do you make of the novelty that we're getting this crossover now with, say, UFC fighters and boxers and guys like Le'Veon Bell that resurface now in the fight game? Well, I think a lot of people, what they don't realize is that a lot of athletes, they've accumulated so much money that they don't know what to do once mm. they were retired. So this is just an opportunity to kind of, you know, you know, a lot of these guys who play, whether it's football or MMA fighters, are tough guys. Yes. So it's an opportunity to kind of get into something more competitive because it's very difficult. And, you know, Josh Towers and I have talked about this at length in terms of people when they retire from sports, how do you scratch that competitive itch or that ability to be, you know, in something that's really going to get you fired up? And so I think it's tough to do. And so that's why you see people like this sometimes getting involved in things like this. That's a great point. And also, I think people look at it at first blush, and your instinct is to kind of laugh it off mm-hmm. and go, oh, what's Le'Veon Bell doing? What's he yeah. doing? Getting... But they're working at it. They need something else to do post-NFL in this case. We'll see how that goes. I don't see any lines on it yet. That was just announced today. Kelly, you don't see anything on it yet, right? I haven't. I haven't. And, and Amal, I don't know if you've really bet any of these. It, it I really not. since Mayweather McGregor. Right? I mean, that, that, like, that was a once-in-a-lifetime betting opportunity to me. Th- these are... These are all novelty fights that I don't really think there's much of a betting betting's edge in. However, when you talk about the Paul brothers, and I don't know which one's which either, but <laughs> um, I, I think about it this way, right? When you're talking about ex-NFL guys that uh, – Le'Veon Bell doesn't need a – he doesn't need a marketing boost to his name at all, right? The Paul brothers, they need that, right? That's what they're still out there doing, right? They're trying to build that brand for who they are, so – as far as, you know, if there's more effort on one side actually getting ready for a fight like this, I'd, I'm always going to lean that side, but I don't. I, and, and that's the thing. It's it's not Chris Paul. It's one of those Paul brothers. Uh, Logan, Logan or, and, yeah, and yeah. the other one. But, like, you know, the spider getting back in there in the squared circle now in boxing, I'm going to watch that. Like, that, that's, that intrigues yeah. me because of the name on the other side. So we'll see if Le'Veon Bell gets Uriah Hall, draws any interest on the undercard of that main event. And I'm sure at some point we'll talk about that once we get those numbers out. Jake Paul. Jake Paul. There it is. As long as it's not Chris Paul, then then we'll we'll watch. (laughs) Uh, Tonight's game, we've talked a lot about it. I do want to get some final thoughts before we wrap up and hand it over to the final countdown crew. Again, it's down, uh, excuse me, up to three and a half. I think that's with the the knowledge that Jonathan Taylor is not going to be there. We know Naheem Hines uh, and uh, uh, Philip Lindsay going to be getting the bulk of the work now to fill in for no JT for the Colts. And again, you look at the Broncos, too. No Javante Williams. He's gone for the year now uh, with that ACL as well. So it really goes to Melvin Gordon. Tonight, just in the running game, before we really handicap that and get our final thoughts on it, would you favor the two-headed monster of the Colts? Or would you get the Broncos and say, all right, Melvin, if you don't fumble the ball, then maybe you can be that guy that we used to see back in the day with the Chargers? Yeah, I think that's going to be the key. He's a guy that can really make a difference. Uh, he's just got to hold on to the football. I don't know if this is just one of those things where we see in – Baseball, maybe a guy has a case of the yips and or something similar to that. But I think Melvin Gordon's talent is still, you know, one that you're very aware aware of. But 
can he continue to uh, hold on to the football remains to be seen. Again, we talked about it with Mike Pritchard, great conversation with Pritch, and he said it's a mental thing now. It's not a physical thing. Like, Melvin Gordon's still the guy. He can still get it done. At, at one point early in his career coming out of Wisconsin, Melvin Gordon was looking, I, I didn't want to say Hall of Fame trajectory, mm-hmm. but boy, he got out of the gate fast. And now all of a sudden you go to, to team number two in, in your own division and you get that mental uh, hurdle that you have to overcome. That's not helping out Russell Wilson and company because the pass game right now is not hitting on all cylinders. So I look at this Bronco offense and I just don't know what to make of it now. If you still had Javante in there, I think you can lean on him. That was a guy you could actually depend on. Now there's so many question marks either on the outside. They don't get the tight end involved. Now you get a, a, a running back that's fumbling the ball, a critical one last week against the Raiders. Well, I just don't know what to make of this offense going forward. I would agree with you, and I think it's tough to gauge. I think tonight will be a good measuring stick once again against a pretty decent defense, not a great defense, but not a poor defense as well for Indianapolis. And I think conversely, the same thing applies to the Colts. This is an important game day. Both teams in the AFC right now, Broncos coming and sitting at 2-2, two and two, losing to the Raiders. Losing to the Seahawks is not bad because it's a non-conference loss. Mm-hmm. But you've got such a glut of teams in the AFC that could potentially be a wild card that you need to be able to get these head-to-head matchups because that's going to be a crucial element of the tiebreaker. Colts at 1-2, and two, if they drop to 1-3, and three, um, with some of the games they've got coming up on deck, I think it becomes a real challenge for them. So if you're the Colts, you got to get this game. You're at uh, Jacksonville next week. Now, you do have three additional days, so that'll be beneficial. Then the big game for them at, tennis, or at Tennessee Man. in two weeks. How about that? that you're going to wrap up those yeah. two games early in the season against mm-hmm. Tennessee, and you're already behind the eight ball after losing at home uh, Lucas Oil Stadium already last week. I mean, that becomes paramount. If you drop one at night, and again, you're three and a half point underdogs in this one, so not looking good, at least on paper. All of a sudden, this season going to really get away for Frank Reich. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that's why this game tonight and the game next week at home against the Jaguars is very critical because they just can't seem to slow down Derrick Henry. And he's a guy that's very effective against them. They jumped out early. That game really was dominated by the Titans. Now, they'll have a revenge spot for the Colts there. But still, I would lean towards Tennessee early on. We're still three weeks out. But tonight, this is a game where you look at it on the paper and you're through the Colts. You say, boy, this is a very winnable game. A road AFC game. We got to get this game. And then we head into Jacksonville at 2-2-1. Or, excuse me, host the Jaguars in a division game. Because they already have a tie against Houston. They have a loss against Tennessee. If you lose the game against Jacksonville, you only have the Texans left at home, you've got a return trip down to Duval, and then you've also got a return trip to Nashville. You know what's fascinating for me in the handicap, too, when I look at coaches, and I look at Frank Reich, who, by the way, ushered the the greatest comeback in the history of college football at Maryland against Miami, and then ushered the biggest comeback in the history of pro football with the Bills against the Oilers. It's rather remarkable to be able to do that, to come in and do those two things. I trusted Frank Reich like coming into the season. I don't trust Nathaniel Hackett, but I trust Russell Wilson more than I do Matty Ice right now. So I'm really kind of at a, at a, at a crossroads of who do I trust more? The quarterback that I expect could bounce back more or the head coach that's underperformed and should be able to run circles around Nathaniel Hackett. I would agree with you. Uh, and from that standpoint, you have to give the edge to the Colts from a coaching perspective, but Again, I, I think the reality is, and you know this, Dave, you've covered sports for a long time. When you reach a certain point, and I think Matt Ryan's at that point, and I think Russell is getting close to it, there's just a drop-off. And I don't know if you can necessarily – you might be able to capture it for a game or two, but I think this is going to be a problem that plagues the Colts the rest of the season. Lack of good quarterback play. And in a far more competitive division than at least I thought it was going to be this year, mm-hmm. you're starting to see some of those things take um, really – just it puts a challenge on this Colts team now. 
Uh, and very quickly, because you're, we're mentioning the division, right? So a big one for the Broncos, even though it's out of division tonight, they kind of keep pace with the Chiefs that they're really going to have visions of grandeur. I want to talk about the Chiefs game very quickly because I know you're not going to be with us tomorrow. Monday Night Football, and we'll get to that really in depth on Monday. I look at this Raiders as having an opportunity. If the Broncos were to stumble tonight, right? We don't know about the Chargers, the health of Justin Herbert here. They've got a big opportunity. That number's come down, by the way. It was over uh, seven earlier in the week, seven and a half. It's down to seven. I really like the silver and black on the road in this one, not only to be competitive and cover the number, I think the guy shot to pull off the upset after Kansas City riding high, feeling great after that Buccaneers win a win a, a week ago. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think it's a, it could theoretically be a letdown spot because of how well they played against Tampa and you get a big win against the Buccaneers. But again, this is a division foe. And I have to tell you, if you're Kansas City, You've got three opponents, right? You've got the Chiefs. I'm sorry. You've got the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Broncos. You've got an opportunity if you win this football game to put a nail in the coffin of one of those teams. Early in the season. Yeah, one and four, having two division losses at that point against the Chargers and against the Chiefs. It'd be very difficult to see the Raiders being able to win that division. So, important game. I tend to agree with you from a point standpoint, Raiders catching seven, but I don't know if I'm there with you on this team winning on the road at Arrowhead on Monday night. Well, I'll I'll tell you one thing, Ball, for this game, too. We we do hold hold or fire earlier in the week. I think this is still, if you're looking at the Raiders, hold, 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 because I think only Chiefs money is going to come in Sunday, Monday night. You'll see a seven and a half, I think, at some point on this game. Yeah, I, I, I think Ruth it goes Kelly. back up. Yes, Absolutely. So, so hold if you like the Raiders, you might want to fire in that seven if you like the Chiefs. Speaking of these half-point movements here in the Raiders and the Chiefs game, and we've seen it again in college football, talking about uh, TCU and Kansas, the, the pro tip for hour number two, that the line moves in those half-points in college just don't have the same value as they yeah. do in the NFL mall, right? To your yeah. point here, we're talking about with the Chiefs and yeah. the Raiders as much as it would in college. So that is the pro tip for hour number two. We do those once an hour across the VEASAN spectrum, so you get up to 20 pro tips a day. They're available for VEASAN pro subscribers only at VEASAN.com. You can sort them out by show and or by sport. want to thank certainly uh, Mike Pritchard for joining us and Josh Applebaum for joining us. Amal, enjoy your day off tomorrow. We'll see you on Monday. Back here on Big Bets tomorrow on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.